take account or think of all the good things that you have and then use that gratitude that within yourself to do something for someone else. guys, Dr. Viv here and welcome again on Research with Dr. Viv. Today I have got a special guest, Chris D.T. Gordon. He is a special education teacher and professional speaker and he's someone who uses his experience with flesh-eating bacteria to motivate people to adopt an attitude of gratitude and reach for greatness in their own terms. And today Chris and I are going to be talking about this episode in his life and how he's been able to navigate it and still be happy and still be grateful. But before we get into that, guys, if you're not already following me on YouTube, make sure you do. I don't know what you're still doing if you haven't already. <laughs> if you're not already following me on the podcast, um, please do as well. All links are in the description. And if you're not following me on Instagram or Facebook or you or um, Twitter, it's all in the link. Please do follow as well. Right. Chris, thank you so much. It's, it's amazing to have you um, join us for this. Well, I appreciate the opportunity, uh, Dr. Viv. It's uh, great to meet you, and I'm excited for our conversation. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Chris. So, Chris, tell me, you are known as the El Conquistado. Did I say that right? <laughs> close. You're close. El Conquistador. El Con Conquistador. Yes. Okay. El Conquistador. So tell me, tell me, where, where did you get that from? Okay, that's a, uh, an inside joke uh, between me and my brother. Uh, when we were growing up, we listened to this comedy show here in the U.S. Okay. called The Bob and Tom Show. And a comedian on there one time had this bit where he would have, uh, he would have um, like uh, telemarketers call him and he would have them refer to him as El Conquistador just to throw them off. And so when he got married on the little table uh, tent that was on my best man uh, plate, he had put El Conquistador. And so it was a nice little inside joke. And a few people kind of looked at it a little weirdly, but it was uh, just a fun little ad. And I thought it would be kind of a, a fun little joke uh, that we could have together now. And what, what does it mean? It means the conqueror. It's Spanish. Ah, nice. El Conquistador. Yes. There you go. <laughs> yes, I got it this time. So, Chris, I mean, I know we, you know, it was an inside joke, but when we look at it, you have really been a conqueror yourself. You have, you know, you've sort of, when I say embodied that name, you experienced like a flesh-eating bacteria. I think it's known as Nick, Nick, and please correct me if I don't say it correctly, necrotizing facilities tell me more necrotizing um, yeah necrotizing fasciitis necrotizing fasciitis fasciitis okay yes. okay so tell 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 me more about it because i know a lot of people it's something they may not know about and i didn't know about myself certainly it is uh, literally flesh eating bacteria and it is caused by a strand of group a strep um, known as uh, Streptococcus pyrogenes. Right. And it's, uh, it's very, very rare 
but however, you know, people can get it. And usually people with uh, immunodeficiency syndromes, uh, compromised uh, immune systems, uh, those who uh, have cancer, diabetes, they are usually the people who contract it. I am just one of the lucky outliers, I guess. Wow, wow. So how did it, like, I know you, you contacted it sometime in 2015. What happened? Yes. How did it, what, what happened? What, what's the story behind how you? Well, uh, as a little back uh, drop, uh, there had been strep in my family. Right. And uh, so it was in the area already. But on Wednesday, March 18th, um, give or take, I was flying my uh, younger son to the garage to help my wife uh, get all the kids and herself to school. Uh, she's a school teacher here in town. And uh, my twins were two at the time. They were going to daycare and my older son was going to kindergarten. I am an online teacher. And you know, even before people were teaching online due to the COVID-19 crisis, I've been doing it for eight years. And so in 2015 was my fourth year, uh, third year teaching online. So I was helping my wife, Becky, uh, get all the kids ready to go. So I was flying Seth, my younger son, back and forth to the, uh, to the garage. I flew too far to the right and I scraped my hand, my right hand on the garage wall. Oh, wow. Yes. And so I thought nothing of it. I put him in the car. I kissed everyone goodbye, I waved them off, and then I went back inside, cleaned out the wound as well as I thought I had, you know, done, and then I went on my, went on my work day. And it, it really didn't seem that bad until three days later, and on Saturday the 21st, I woke up to a big bump on my, um, on my right elbow, about the size of a lacrosse ball. Wow. And then, uh, so it was red and tender, and I decided to go to the walk-in clinic here in New Ulm, Minnesota. The attending doctor said, well, it might be bursitis, keep an eye on it, and come back if the situation changes. Well, it changed. It went from a little bump on my elbow to engulfing my right arm, shoulder, chest, and back. Wow. If you're familiar with the, uh, the superhero, the Incredible Hulk, I, I look like him in mid-transformation. Wow. You know, my, my, my left arm was normal size. My right arm was triple the size of my left arm. Wow. And this was just from a scratch? Yes. Wow. 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 So you contracted it. What happened next at this point? Well, they uh, admitted me into the uh, emergency room that night and immediately tried to get a blood pressure reading, but they couldn't because I had gone into sepsis. Wow. Because uh, the, you know, my body was trying to fight off this infection, so it started pumping those chemicals into my bloodstream, but that caused my my uh, my blood pressure to just go crazy, basically. They couldn't get a, a proper reading. And so they kept me overnight, kept, uh, kept observing me. Mm -hmm. And then the next morning, that attending doctor came up to my gurney and said, Mr. Gordon, this is beyond us. Where do you want to go? 
And immediately I told them I want to go to the Mayo Clinic in Rochester, Minnesota. And I'm not sure if you've ever heard of the Mayo Clinic in Rochester. Uh, it's a very famous uh, hospital um, group. Uh, in fact, uh, many, uh, many members of the uh, Saudi Arabian royal family have gone there for their treatments. Right. And so it's world-renowned. Uh, so it, it, that's not the only reason I wanted to go, though. As, uh, the other reason is because my in-laws live in that town. They live in Rochester. And my father-in-law at the time was a chaplain at the hospital. Right. So I knew I had some extra connections there. There. Okay. Okay. Yes. So, you know, you contracted it. You, you know, you had to six treatment for it. And so right now, are you fully recovered from it or how does it work at this point? Yes, I am fully recovered. Uh, what they did was they flew me to Mayo. They admitted me. Uh, and then uh, they soon after started uh, giving me antibiotics and painkillers and then uh, got me into surgery. And I was, uh, I was put into an, a medical coma for about five days from Sunday night to Thursday night. Okay. Um, and uh, in that time, they debride the uh, area that was infected, uh, basically flay me like a fish. Mm -hmm. um, they, and they at one point told my wife that uh, they were going to have to take my right arm. Wow. Because the infection had gone so far. But uh, thankfully, the occupational therapist who was in attendance for this second surgery where they were going to take my arm uh, told them that I still had hand function. So they extracted a 15-inch by 4-inch flap of skin from my left thigh and placed it on my right, arm, my right forearm and hand. And since it's my thigh on my hand, I call it my fan. <laughs> so I, I, I think I should copyright that. Uh, I don't think anyone else has used that term before. Wow. wow. Um, but they've also had to take a lot of skin grafts uh, from my legs and my back. Mm. And so um, I'm not sure if you are familiar with the character Deadpool. Yes. Yes, I, I look like a discount Deadpool. Um, I, I, you know, it's all, in fact, I can show you here. Here, um, give me one second here. So there's my arm there. Yeah. You see yeah, you know, I, I'm literally and figuratively ripped, you can see there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then here's my rib cage. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then, um, yeah, they even took a nipple. So wow. if, uh, yeah, so I, I, I'm I'm permanently PG, um, and uh, and then there's a big gash from where they had to extract the uh, the flap of skin from my forearm. However, I'm also a runner, and I ha and I used to play soccer or football, and so my thighs are rather big. They could not close my wound up with all my muscles intact. So they had to remove my vastus lateralis, which is the outer muscle in your quadricep. Wow, okay. And then they had to uh, install knobs on either side of my wound and put a Jacob's Ladder type of uh, formation 
inside my wound so I can, so they could tighten it up over time. Wow. So on my left thigh, I don't have a quad. I have a try. Wow. I, lo I love how you come up with all this, all these terms. <laughs> yes. So now you don't have a, you don't have a, a quad. Now you have a try. Yeah. Wow. This must not have been, I mean, I know you said you're, you're, you know, you're doing, you're, you're fully recovered now. And I mean, you've shown me some of the scars and this is the thing about scars that a lot of times they still are there to remind you of the story. Um, mm -hmm. How was it for you mentally at the time all of this was going on? You know, I, I had heard stories about people experiencing PTSD and depression, but immediately as soon as I awoke from my coma, yeah. Aside from the hallucinations that I had, that were many. Uh, that that could be that could be its own episode in itself. The hallucinations I had, but I was overcome with a sense of gratitude and appreciation for our community because so many people stepped up to help me and my family. Mm. Um, that I was first uh, uh, thankful that I was alive and we had all the support. But also, I was automatically, almost automatically driven to recover and rebound from this. Wow. And what gave you the most drive? Because a lot of times when, you know, when people are going through things, you're just feeling the, the pressure. Like I can imagine for you and for your family, I wonder what, it, what, what was it even like for your family? What was it for it you? Was, it was very stressful. In fact, my wife and I, uh, Becky and I were talking about this last night, uh, that it was, you know, at some points it was very, you know, promising the news she was getting. Sometimes they'll say, hey, you know, we were able to do this. And then someone would come back, come back and say, well, we're not out of the woods yet. And then, you know, they, she would see something that would, you know, look like it's going to be very serious. Um, like at, there, there are times where there's one time in particular where they were drawing a line where the infection was spreading to. And at one point it had, the line was drawn at the base of my neck and that this was too much for her. And she had to leave the room to compose herself, but they, uh, you know, they are champs. Uh, my wife, especially Becky is phenomenal in so many ways, but especially in this situation, because not only did she have to make sure that the kids were okay and taken care of, and we had some help with that, but I mean, she spearheaded it, but also she is, like I said, a full-time teacher. And so she had to make sure that her students were taken care of. And so the first two weeks, uh, everyone stayed in Rochester with Becky's parents. But then after that, she would uh, take the kids home to New Ulm, and we're about two hours away from Rochester. Uh, she would teach four days a week, Monday through Thursday, and then Thursday night, she would uh, round up the kids and drive to Rochester, and, and then Friday, a retired teacher would come in and teach her classes, and that went on for about six weeks Okay, that, that happened. Um, and, you know, so that, you know, we have, like I said, a lot of support from the community, you know, especially her district, 
for coming up with this arrangement, allowing it to happen. Uh, but yeah, I I don't know what would have happened if my wife weren't as wonderful as she is. Wow, I'm pretty sure you have told her this, have you? Uh, yes, yes, and uh, and uh, I did. And I'm not that not to say I did. I repaid her, but uh, that um that year was our tenth uh, year of marriage, and as I was recovering. We couldn't really do anything for it for our tenth anniversary, other than go to dinner. Uh, so the next year, when uh, she turned a, um, we'll say, we'll, we'll say a, 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 an age that is somewhat sometimes celebrated. Okay. Um, <laughs> we, uh, we doubled up, and uh, I uh, surprised her with a trip to Boston, Massachusetts, um, because she's a history teacher and she'd never been to Boston. And so I arranged it with her parents to come and surprise her. And uh, so they came a couple days early just to get her and the kids acclimated to the idea that mom and dad were going to be gone for a few days. And so we flew out on July 4th, Independence Day, for us here in the States. And, um, and then we did a bunch of uh, history-related uh, events because, you know, being a history teacher, this was like almost her, almost her mecca. You know, because there's so much that has gone on in Boston, and so it. Um, yeah, I, I still have. To, I'm still repaying her as much as I can every day. But yeah, she's just wonderful. Oh, that's really beautiful to hear because there's nothing like having family and you know understand and be there for you. Yes. You know, in those moments, because there are many things that people don't ask for, but that happen, and it's the support systems that you have that yes. helped you to keep going, which sounds like it was what helped you get going at the time. Yes, and I, and I would be remiss if I didn't mention my brother as well. Uh, he and I both grew up in Michigan, uh, which is the state that looks like a mitten. And uh, we, both, we both grew up here. This is how we Michiganders tell you where we're from. Okay. Um, and, uh, but he flew over as soon as he knew I was in the hospital, what I had. And he stayed with us. Stayed in Rochester for the week. He helped Becky out, helped the kids out. Uh, he bought me an iPad so I could communicate and you know be able to be entertained in the hospital. And he is, I feel really bad for all the bad things I did for him when he was younger because he is a, he is a fantastic human being, and uh, you know it would have been a lot harder if he hadn't been there for us. I'm sure that every sibling has something to say about what we did to our siblings when we were younger. Yes. <laughs> so yes. I'm pretty sure he has forgiven you. <laughs> yes, I hope so. Oh, uh, that's, that's beautiful. So, you know, coming back to those moments when, um, you know, we just talked about the, the depression and the PTSD and, and all of that. Um, what got you through those moments? You know, um, First of all, it was the support of the family and friends and colleagues and actually total strangers. Uh, my, uh, one of my, my uh, one of Becky's friends had set up a GoFundMe account and that helped us offset some uh, costs that we had incurred because, uh, or lost wages actually, because I ran out of sick days. You know, our healthcare system in the United States isn't isn't on par with basically the rest of the industrialized world. So uh, people stood up for us there. Um, but also, I also felt that with all these people stepping up, that 
for me to develop a pessimistic negative attitude would be a, a slap in the face. It would be a total affront to all the kindness and compassion that they showed me and my family, me and my family. And so I took it upon myself to develop the attitude of gratitude that I was going to first take count of all the positive things in my life, not only the big things, but also the small things. And then, you know, I was going to share uh, my appreciation with others. I was going to acknowledge those whom I appreciated. And then I was going to do my best even on my, you know, in my journey to, um, you know, give others a chance to feel appreciated and feel thankful for something that I've done for them. Wow. Wow. It's so inspiring to hear that, you know, this experience, you know, really did that. And this, you do a lot of this through your professional speaking. Am I, yes. am I correct? Um, yes, I do. Talking to people. Um, I, 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 you know, hearing your story is so amazing because um, I know I have heard of stories of, is this syphilis or what's it called now? The um, sepsis, sorry. Sepsis, yes. Sepsis. Um, I've heard, you know, about sepsis and I, I have heard about what it can do to the body and how people lose body parts because of it and mm -hmm. it can be really, really tough. So you have all the scars, but somehow you found, this, let's say, the silver lining through all of it to still be thankful um, to still be thankful for how you pulled out, pulled through, and came out on the on the other end. And you know, you're talking about gratitude. A lot of people, for example, when we think about this pandemic now, it's sometimes tough to see the silver lining. Yes, you know, it's sometimes tough to stick to be grateful. So, I guess you know, in the middle of it, I know you were able to find something to be grateful for. But were you? Were you always able to do that? Or at what point did you accept it and say, okay, now it's time for me to find something to be grateful for? You know, I've always been fortunate enough to not uh, be in a place where I, you know, was in great want. Um, and so I, I felt that for, for me, being, you know, grateful, always saying thank you, always appreciating what I had was uh, brought for was instilled in me by my parents. Mm -hmm. And so I think that that's what made this transition within me easier to accept because being thankful for what I had was never an issue. Um, I think, though, this situation has made it more of an imperative for me to not only be grateful, but also share that message with others and step up and say, hey, you know, this is something that we all can do and this is gonna make the world a better place one person at a time. Right, right, wow, okay, right, right. So right now, what would be your one message to the world as people try to navigate the crisis and as we all come out of it and are trying to bounce back? I, I would say I, I have two steps. Um, first of all, um, you know, I would develop that the attitude of gratitude, you know, because I think that is what gets people moving. That's, you know, because if you're, if you feel that everything is against you, that there's nothing 
in your corner, no one in your corner, nothing to look forward to, it's really hard to do much else. And so again, look for the great things and little things in your life that you appreciate. I mean, it could be something as seemingly insignificant as how your shoes feel on your feet. Uh, it could be, you know, for example, I am a huge geek. I'm an, an ambassador geek. I love my Transformers. You know, okay. <laughs> this is Optimus Prime, if you're not familiar. Um, I love Transformers. I'm thankful that I, you know, have this guy I can tool around with. I could transform if I wanted to. I'm thankful for Yoda back there. I love my Star Wars, uh, you know, Grover. I'm a, you know, so I'm thankful that I have these creative outlets because they do help me. You know, if I, if I want a little escapism, they're there for me. And so be grateful for what you have, you know, and then share the, your appreciation for someone with them because you never know who might need to hear a thank you. And, you know, be specific about it. You know, what, what do you appreciate about them? Or what did, you, what did they do for you that you greatly appreciate? And then step up and do something for them or someone else that they can be grateful. And then continue that cycle. You know, it's basically the game tag. You think about it. You think about all the good, good things and bad, good things and big things and little things in your life. You ex, uh, acknowledge the appreciated. And then you give someone something to appreciate themselves, T-A-G. Um, and so that's one thing. The other thing is to set a goal. Uh, when I was in the hospital, one of the uh, things I did was I got on my iPad and I ordered a new pair of running shoes. So when I was discharged from the hospital, I had a new pair of running shoes that would motivate me to get back into running. And so... I would say set a goal for yourself and then set benchmarks or objectives to help you along the way because a goal without a plan is just a wish. And being a special education teacher, you know, we have to, we are trained at setting goals and objectives. And so I just I just turned that towards myself. I said, "Okay, what's my goal? How do I get there?" Wow. So put on an attitude of gratitude. And, you know, there's something key that you also said in there, which is that we should do something for some other, for someone else and appreciate someone else. Those little thank yous. I know I've heard this thing that, and I know as someone in, in wellbeing that um, when you can shift the focus from yourself and do good to others, it actually improves your own sense of wellness. Yes. So by thanking someone else for even the littlest of things, we make them feel better but also make ourselves feel better. And I guess the whole world needs some sort of, you know, good all round. Everyone needs yes. to feel better. I think that's so powerful, Chris, so powerful. And this thing you just said about goals, you are, you are I, I do agree that, yeah, you are, you are right. And I guess what you're challenging the world on right now is to, in spite of what is going on with the pandemic, that we should set even the littlest of goals so that it gives us motivation to keep to keep going. Yes. You know. Have you got any last words around what else? What, 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 if, let me put it this way. You're in a hall right now, and I know you're a professional speaker. You're in a hall right now with 500 students. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And all the students, they have 
had to have their exams and all of that moved. You know, they have, many of them are looking, we're looking forward to GCSEs and all the rest. And they are still trying to come to terms with the shock of it and the uncertainty. What one word of advice will you give to that 500 um, seats or field hall of students? I would say that, again, you know, be, you know, take account or think of all the good things that you have and then use that gratitude that within yourself to do something for someone else. And it could be setting a, um, you know, doing a community goal or a community project for your, for your area. It could be, um, teaming up with a classmate or a few classmates to challenge yourselves to do the best you can in some endeavor. But, you know, those who are just surviving can only survive so long. You, you, you have to step forward and even baby steps are still steps forward. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, find a goal, find something to strive forward and people will take notice and, you know, and people will see people see you rise up and lead. And that's what we need right now. We need leaders who will show up when the hard times come and help others get through them. Wow. Thank you. Yeah. I love it, Chris. I love it, Chris. And Chris, like if people want to check you out, if people want to connect with you, where can they go? Where can they go to connect with you? They could go to my website, which is www.chrisdtgordon.com. That's G-O-R-D-O-N. That's my website where I talk about my public speaking. I also offer one-on-one coaching for those who want a more uh, intimate um, connection so we can help you get through a goal or develop the attitude of gratitude. I'm also on YouTube where I make some uh, short videos and I've, uh, I also have some interviews with people that uh, have gone through similar situations that I have. And that's Chris DT Gordon and also my podcast that I've started. It's called Scar Bearers. And uh, like those, some of those YouTube videos, I focus on my uh, experience with necrotizing fasciitis and the lessons I've learned, and I talk with people who either have had NF themselves or other situations and how they've made it through, and that's at uh, anchor.fm forward slash scar dash bearers. And additionally, I'm at uh, on Instagram at Chris DT Gordon. And then if you ever want to drop me a line, it's uh, Chris DT Gordon at gmail.com. Nice, nice, nice. Thanks, Chris. And I think we would, you know, would increase include them the links as well um, in the notes. Chris, it has been so amazing. I think you are so inspiring, and thank you as well for showing the scars. You know, the wounds may be gone, but the and the scars may just be there, just as a story and to remind people. And thank you as well for showing, you know, for showing us and um, letting us understand um, the seriousness around it and how um, you have bounce back from from that it's been a true pleasure it's been a true pleasure 
Well, guys, that is it for today. Thank you so much to everyone. Remember, please connect with Chris. And if you haven't already, make sure you subscribe to my YouTube channel, subscribe to the podcast, all links in the description. If you're not already following me on Instagram, on Facebook, or on um, Twitter, I don't know what you're waiting for. But guys, <laughs> until next time, I look forward to seeing you again on the next episode of Resets with Dr. Bill. Take care, stay well, and God bless.